Welcome to CMC Conversations. What you're listening to is going to be a sermon from the CMC. We're just taking these sermons directly from the videos from the CMC churches, the videos that they post on YouTube or that get shared to the conference website. We're taking those videos and we're cutting them down to just the sermons. We're doing this to give CMCers such as yourself another option when it comes to listening to sermons. If you're the type of person, like myself, who enjoy listening to a, a sermon or two during the week, so while I'm at work, I'll often have my earbuds in and I'll take in a sermon or two. We are trying to offer that service to people in the CMC. In this episode, it's a sermon taken from July 4th. And Dave Reimer is speaking at CFC in Winkler. Dave is going to be speaking about God's invitation into the throne room. Enjoy. There to my heart was the blood of life. Glory to his name. Psalms 147 verses 5 to 8. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. The Lord supports the afflicted. He brings down the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises to our God on the lyre, who covers the heavens with clouds, who provides rain for the earth, who makes grass to grow on the mountains. Let's pray. Lord, I I thank you again for the rain that we got last night. It's a uh, great reminder of how much we need you in our daily lives. And uh, I pray for today's message, that you might have your hand in it, and that you'd also open up our hearts to receive it and to apply it. Amen. God deliberately and distinctly makes this invitation, and he's so, he's so uh, passionate about this invitation that he sends his son to die on the cross to invite us to come. Uh, so... I think sometimes we underestimate the significance of the freedom that we have in Christ and the, the openness of the invitation that God makes into the holy place of God. And I want to address that today. So primarily I'm going to be read from, from uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and 10, which are to me kind of the, like of all the passages of scripture, there's a, a summary of what God has done. And I think we sometimes get very much involved in our own heads and limitations and restrictions here and there and all these different things. Uh, all these little problems that we face, and the little problems are, I mean, some, some problems are actually pretty big in themselves. But then this big problem that we have is the divide between us and God in heaven. And God breaks that restriction and, and invites us in. And I want us to think about that today. So just before we go to reading scripture, let's bow again for a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this good day. Thank you for the beautiful weather. Thank you for the breeze that's here today. Uh, dear God, guide us and, and bless us as we consider what you have done for us to break the restriction to invite us into your throne room. We're, we're honored by this. We're blessed. And we ask for your uh, clarification, your, your direction for us, your, um, your invitation to us. And may we respond in praise for all that you've done for us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I just thank God for the breeze and he blows my notes away. <laughs> Pinned them together, so this is good. Leviticus uh, chapter 16, 
talks about atonement, and I want us to think about that. Uh, in, back in Exodus, I've, ri- I've uh, written some of my notes down here so that I don't have to f- be flipping the Bible in the wind here too much, but in Exodus chapter 25, God says, let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among my people. God wants to dwell among his people, and that's why they build the sanctuary. That's why they build the tabernacle right in the midst of God's people. And, and it's good. And yet at the, end, at the end of Exodus, 15 chapters later, they finally finished building the tabernacle. And, and then Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So God wants to dwell in the midst of his people. He wants to be where his people are. But God's people need to know that he's God and they're not. They're, they're people. And that you don't walk any time into the presence of the Lord. So there's a tabernacle. There's a separation from the dwelling place of God in the Holy of Holies. And then outside is the tabernacle where the priests do their, their sacrifices. And then beyond that live the priests. And beyond that live, lives uh, God's people, Israel. And then beyond that uh, lives the world out there. But there's a separation. So God wants to be where his people are. But there's a separation so that n- not anybody walks any time into the holy place. And then in, um, in Leviticus chapter 16, God describes how you come into the presence of God, how you come into the holy place. So I'm, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm, I'm going to do a, a quick read. I'll pick a few verses so that you get the flow of what happens. Don't, don't anybody come walking into the holy place where, where God dwells. Uh, when you come into the holy place, this is the way it will be done. So Leviticus chapter 16, I'll read the first three verses here. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when he had approached the presence of the Lord and died. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the atoning cover, which is... Uh, which is on the ark, or he will die. For I will appear in the cloud over the atoning cover. Aaron shall enter the holy place with this, with a bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering. Uh, So the two sons of Aaron had marched into the presence of God and died there. And so God gives instructions to Moses, you don't walk in there anytime. You tell Aaron, this is how you walk in. You do it with a sacrifice, with a bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering. And then verse 4, He shall put on the holy linen tunic, and the linen undergarments shall be next to his body. He shall be wrapped about the waist with a linen sash and a linen turban around his forehead. These are holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and put them on. As you're going to come walking into the presence of the Lord, you're going to... First of all, take a bath, clean up, get changed, put on these clean garments which have been set aside for this purpose before you come walking in. And then verse 11, Then Aaron shall offer the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his household. And he shall slaughter the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself. So he's going to clean up. He's going to get dressed properly. He's going to make a sacrifice before he comes into the holy place. Then, verse 15, Then he shall slaughter the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, and bring its blood 
inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the atoning cover and in front of the atoning cover. So now he comes into the holy place to make a sacrifice there. Verse uh, 17, when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place, no one shall be in the tent of meeting until he comes out so that he may make atonement for himself and for his household and for all the assembly of Israel. So he's come to make the sacrifice, to come into the holy place. He has come uh, by himself. He comes having washed up, making the sacrifice, entering into the holy place to do uh, what he needs to do there to make the sacrifice and then go back out. So verse 18, then he shall go out uh, to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He shall take some of the blood from the bull and some of the blood from the goat and put it on the horns of the altar on all sides. So once he's been in there, he's coming back out and he's going to make another sacrifice. Then verse 24, uh, and, and he shall bathe his body with water in a holy place and put on his clothes and come out and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. So you're, you're seeing the process. You want to go into the holy place. This is how it works. You take a bath, you change into the holy clothes, you come, you make a sacrifice, then you go into the holy place and you do what needs to be done there. Then you come back out, you make another sacrifice, then you bathe yourself again and change again, and then you come back into the presence of the people. And verse 29, this shall be a permanent statute for you in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall humble yourself, not do any work, whether native or a stranger who resides among you, for this it is on this day of that atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you and you will be clean from all your sin before the Lord. And verse 34, now you have this as a permanent statute to make atonement for the sins of Israel for all their sins once every year. So all of this process, you're, sin, you're a sinner, you're coming into the, and he's the priest, he's Aaron himself, but he's still a person. He's a sinner. He's going to come into the presence of the Lord. You're going to, t you're going to take a bath. You're going to put on uh, clean, holy clothes. You're going to make a sacrifice. You're going to go into the presence of the Lord, make a sacrifice there, turn around, get out of there, make another sacrifice, change again, and, and you're going to do this once a year because you're walking into the presence of the Lord and he is holy. And so I, we can talk about restrictions, the different restrictions we deal with in different places wherever we go when you get on an airplane when you go into a hospital when you uh wherever there's these restrictions all around us but you want to walk into the presence of the lord here's some legit restrict restrictions he is god and you're not be careful how you come into the presence of the lord you come humbly you don't just march in anytime and say hey buddy how's it going that's not the way you talk to god so so hebrews chapter 9 um and again, there's, there's a series of sermons here, and I'm not going to give you a series of sermons, but I want to read some of Hebrews chapter 9 and 10 for us uh, to, to see in the book of Hebrews, he talks about that old covenant, and then he talks about what Jesus has done for us and the invitation that Jesus makes. So Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1 to 3, and this will sound familiar because we just read from Leviticus. Hebrews 9 verse 1. Now even the first covenant had regulations for divine worship and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was equipped, the outer sanctuary in which there was 
there were the lampstand, the table, the sacred bread, and this is called the holy place. Behind the second veil, there was a tabernacle, which is called the most holy place. And, and, so, and then down to verse, verse 6. So here's this description of the holy place, where the table of showbread and the lampstand are. And then there's the veil and the most holy place where God dwells and the Ark of the Covenant is there. Uh, and there's restrictions about this place. Chapter 9, verse 6. When these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol for the present time according to both gifts and sacrifices. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience. So the sacrifices are made, but they cannot make the worshiper perfect since they relate only to food and drink, food and drink, and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until a time of reformation. It's almost like the temple needed to be taken down so that the real Christ could walk into the real throne room and make the real sacrifice once and for all in the real holy place so that our sins could be forgiven, so that access could happen. And that's exactly what it says in the next two verses, chapter uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things having come, he entered through the greater and the more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands, that is not of this creation, and not through the blood of bulls and goats, uh, goat, not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all time, having obtained eternal redemption. Good news. Uh, it's not just Aaron going once a year to make the sacrifice which can never actually take away sins and which can never make perfect those who come to worship. Christ goes by his own blood. He enters the real holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption forever. And this is, this is the marvelous, wonderful good news that we meet to proclaim and we meet to worship Christ because of that. And so we want to look at the, the outcomes, what happens, what benefit do we have as a result. Verse, the next verses here, or into the next chapter, chapter 10, verse 10, there's a, say this in more detail, what happened when Christ went into the holy place? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, by this will... We have been sanctified. The word sanctified to make holy. So God is holy. The reason we can't walk into his presence is because he's holy and we are not. But now God has sanctified us in Christ. He has made us holy. So it's, not, it's no longer strange that we would walk into the holy place because we have been made holy. The word sanctified, it's kind of a simple English word that we say. You don't realize the significance of of what Christ has done. You has, he has made you holy. It's going to be strange that we're going to walk into the, the holy place until we recognize that he has actually made us holy. By this will, 
Hebrews 10, verse 10, we have been sanctified, we have been made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that moment onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. Listen, for by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. That, that's a, a loaded statement. For by one offering he has perfected. He said it before, these sacrifices never made anyone perfect. But now by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified, those who have been made holy. Uh, that's the marvelous thing that Christ has done. And then we come down uh, to verse 19. Hebrews 10, verse 19. And here's, a, here's the, this summary statement. I, I would say one of, the, one of the greatest statements of salvation in all of Scripture. From Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 down to 25. Uh, just, just a rich statement here. There's, there's two... Since this has happened and since this has happened... Here's three commandments for you. Because Christ has done this and this, you will now do these three things. Since, uh, verse 19, Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, through his flesh. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. We have confidence to enter that holy place. We were, so we were in Israel, it's that 2018, three years ago now. Uh, Jake was there and John was there and the other John was there and um, Isaac was there. And the, and the young weeb was there. <laughs> What's his name again? Oh, he's sitting right there waving, yeah. Um, so, so we were we were there in a replica of the replica of the real holy place. Okay? And I, I, I want to remember that there's a tabernacle, which Hebrews tells us was actually a replica of the real thing in heaven, the place where God actually dwells. And we know it's, it's just a replica of the replica, and yet it's interesting. We're in this tabernacle, and they showed us the table of showbread, and I, I'm, I know I've shared this story here before, but it's still it's profound in my own, in my own mind. And so there's a table of showbread and the, the menorah, the, the lampstand is there and the, the altar of incense is there and, we're, we're, and they're showing us and explaining all of these things to us. And then he pulls open the curtain and says, now come in. And there's the Ark of the Covenant back there. And he says, come on in. And we all stood there a little bit dumbfounded. And I, I just remember with 20, 21 CMCers were there and we were standing there and we're kind of standing outside of the veil. And he, he walks in and says, come on in. And we're all standing there, a little bit dumbfounded. Are we just actually just going to walk right in there? And, and we all stood there, looked at each other for a bit. And then, uh, and then the guy said, hey, listen. Jesus paid the sacrifice. God tore open the veil. And then he invites us into the holy place. So we come into that holy place with confidence. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place, 
And we have confidence because of the blood of Jesus, a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is through his flesh. So because of that, these other commands are going to come. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. So, so Christ is the sacrifice himself. He is also that priest that makes that sacrifice. And, and this is interesting. We have a great high priest in chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, we're introduced to this great high priest. And this passage sounds very similar to what we read in chapter 10. But Hebrews 4 verse 14 since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are, yet was without sin. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. Christ suffered and was tempted in every way as we are, yet was without sin. And so when we need mercy, when we need grace, when we find ourselves feeling unworthy because of our sinfulness to come into the holy place of God, the priest, Jesus Christ, stands there and invites us in. And when we call out to God and pray to God and say, God, look at me, what have I done? Then Christ is there to say, hey, I've been there, been through that. That was a hard one. Have grace and have mercy. And we will find grace and we will find mercy at the throne of God because of this great high priest who is there. And so because of the sacrifice of Christ and because we have this great high priest who is there to welcome us into the throne room of God, there are three commands. Verse 22. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let's approach God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Uh, and so again, Leviticus told us you wash up with pure water, you, you make the sacrifice, you come in. So Christ has made the sacrifice and he has washed us. He has cleansed us. And so now we approach God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure, pure water. And we come boldly, we come with full assurance, we come confidently, we come believing in faith into the holy place of God. I notice here, there's three commands and they have to do with faith and hope and love. And the first one is faith. Come in full assurance of faith. Come into the presence of God. Approach God with a sincere Heart in full assurance of faith. Trust God. He has made the invitation. Now you come. Interesting. Uh, what a marvelous thing. You know, I, in, in my mind, <laughs> I, was, I was reading this passage and I was thinking, just, just worshiping God for the freedoms that we have. And the government's wondering what kind of freedoms they're supposed to give us and not supposed to give us. And, and the hospitals are wondering how to deal with different things. And God isn't wondering. He says, you come and you come with absolute full assurance, not only into some hospital or into a church building, but into the throne room of God, and you come with confidence because of who Christ is and because of what Christ has done. Verse 23, the second invitation, the second command. Let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering, 
for he who promised is faithful. You can trust God. He made a promise. We believe in that promise. There's a hope waiting for us. And we hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering. So we have faith. And now we've got hope. And we, ce- we celebrate. Our confidence is in the blood and the body of Christ. So we celebrate. We, we celebrate this privilege that we have to come into the holy place. And I think there's all kinds of little opportunities that we're glad for but this is no little opportunity this is us walking into the throne room of god for eternity this is marvelous let's not commiserate too much over the small things we cannot do these days let's as christians celebrate our eternal freedom to enter the most holy place by the blood of jesus i don't know how it works for you but for me when i think of my the the little limitations that are around me the way we have to work around certain obstacles before we can do certain things these days. Um, when I consider those little things, they can, those little things can become overwhelming to me. And then I, I read about the freedom that I have in Christ to walk into the holy place, and all of those things become kind of minor details. And I think for the Christian, ought to be walking around these days with a big smile, uh, just enjoying the freedom of the glory to walk right into the holy place of God. It, it should never be, and it is. And this is a great glory. This is our message. This was our message of hope, our hope, before COVID. That was our message. Um, this was our message during COVID. We have access to the holy place, so don't get too wrapped up in these things. And now uh, this is our message and our hope post-COVID. It doesn't change. Why, what do Christians preach? What, have, what did we preach through, um, through, all the, through the world wars? What, was, what were the Christians preaching? What were they proclaiming? There's hope in Christ, and that hope is real, and it's for eternity, and so we keep holding on to that. And then the third command here. So let's, let us approach God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. And verse 23, let us hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering. And third, let us consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. The third command here. Uh, So again, faith, hope, and love. Almost sounds like something Paul would say. Very interesting. Let us encourage one another to love and good deeds. We have access into the holy place. Let's celebrate it in hope. And let's proclaim it in love. And let's encourage one another. Because people discourage with details, with limitations, with restrictions, and with, with health issues, and all kinds of challenges that we're facing day to day there's all kinds of challenges. let us encourage we need encouragement more than ever and we have this great encouragement we have access into the throne room of god we have an eternal hope and we have this this uh blessing to love one another and encourage one another in love and good deeds this is the command encourage one another love one another with uh encourage one another in love and good deeds and and don't abandon our meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. No question in my mind, things, the world is uh, coming apart. Uh, things are getting messier and messier. It's chaos. Nobody knows what to believe. Uh, there's just this chaos out there that people are arguing about all things that they know nothing about, and they'll argue even louder. And, and the truth has been, become so irrelevant for so many people. They're just, there's, there's some people taking stands on all kinds of things. And so when we come together, when we come together, we want to remember we have access into the throne room of God. We have this eternal hope. 
and we are to love one another and encourage one another. Let's not get swamped in some of the arguments that are out there. When we get together, especially as God's people, let's make sure we are getting together for the purpose of encouraging one another in love and good deeds, reminding one another of the access we have into the throne room of God, reminding one another of the eternal hope that we have as well. Let us not return <coughs> to the conversation that keeps dragging people down and that we're talking about all week. Let's come back to, to church to celebrate this eternal hope that we have in Christ, to celebrate with our brothers and sisters in Christ that we have this confident access into the throne room of God. And in the throne room of God, we're not going to be talking about all kinds of restrictions. We're going to be celebrating freedom. And all the more as we see the day approaching, we want to do this. So in conclusion, we have, these, we have this access because of who Christ is and what he's done for us, and this is marvelous. So let us draw near in faith. Let us celebrate in hope. Let us encourage one another in love because Jesus has given us this gift. I'm going to <clears throat> uh, pray. I'll read the benediction and we'll have a closing song. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, um, we are outsiders. Uh, we are people. We are sinners. We are far from holiness. We are far from you, God. And you knew that, but you wanted to dwell among us and you made a way where there was no way. You offered your son to die for us, to be that perfect sacrifice. You offered your son to be that priest that would uh, bring us mercy and grace in our time of need. Lord, you offered us this grace, and we receive it. And now you've invited us into your presence, and we come. We accept your invitation. We come into your presence. Dear God, fill our hearts with your hope, the eternal hope that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dear God, encourage us and in love and good deeds. And may we be an encouragement to one another. May we not forsake the opportunity that we have to encourage one another, because this is your command to us. Dear God, uh, when we meet, may you find us indeed being your people, uh, showing, demonstrating your love, demonstrating your hope, and demonstrating the faith uh, that you have given us, Lord. So th thank you, God, for these blessings. Encourage us this day, and may we be an encouragement to the people around us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So read the benediction from um, Hebrews chapter 13 i'll read verse 15 and verse 20 and 21 through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to god that is the fruit of lips praising his name now may the god of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant that is jesus our lord may he equip you in every good thing to do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.